Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC sports. Let's go. Welcome in everyone to the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We have a very exciting episode today. The queen of NBA Twitter is with us, Mac. <laughs> it is truly an honor to speak with the queen, someone of this stature. Monica McNutt will join us to talk hoops. And we are currently trying to get to 100 ratings on Apple Podcasts. So get over there, give us a rating. We're getting very close to that number. We would very much appreciate it. Leave a review if you feel the urge. But Eric McLean, before we dive into Monica, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing great. It's a beautiful day here in Charlotte, North Carolina. The sun is shining. Uh, and I've got to tell you a little story. I actually, I was on this crazy road trip, right? It was like a billion hours. It was only like seven, not too bad. But That's so long. I actually, I went back and listened to our first ever podcast. No. And let me just tell you, it was pretty cool, but we've come a long way. And it's been a <laughs> lot of fun. This journey, um, it, it's been really cool. So for us to be at episode number 73 right now, is just crazy to think about. And, uh, you know, the guests have only gotten bigger and better. And it starts right here with Monica McNutt. So what a fun episode. Monica was a former standout basketball player at Georgetown University. She was a two-time All-Big East selection and helped lead the Hoyas to a Sweet 16 in 2011. Before ESPN, she held positions with Local News, the American Sports Network, BN Sports, and NBC Sports Washington, she currently hosts Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, a podcast with King McClure presented by Pure Hoops Media. Recently, Monica has taken off, and you can see her all over ESPN. She starred on the ACC Network with me and Kelsey Riggs talking ACC women's hoops. She still does that, but she's added to her busy schedule lately, appearing regularly on Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, and The Jump, as well as doing multiple hits a week on SportsCenter, talking NBA and WNBA. She also covers the New York Knickerbockers for MSG Networks. <laughs> Guys, listen, Monica is a superstar. We're so excited that she could somehow find time in her busy schedule to join us here on the podcast. Let's go. Monica McNutt, my dear, dear friend. Mon, it is so good to have you on this podcast. How are you? I'm great. It's so good to be on. It's good to see you. I know everybody won't get to use the video, but like, look at your face. I miss you. And hey, Eva. what's up? I'm glad you're here. Thank you for making time for us, superstar. Of course. I love you guys. This has been a total max here, but I don't even really see him. I'm really just talking to Mon. Like this is a <laughs> This full is ladies night. This is ladies night right here. I'm just reunion. the chauffeur. That's all yeah. it is. <laughs> yes. Ladies night reunion. Well, Mon, we have so much to talk with you about. You are all over the globe talking WNBA, NBA, all that. We are going to ask you how you became the queen of Twitter, but first you're covering both leagues. Oh, we're going to get into that. Or you're covering both leagues so closely. Like, what, what has that been like? You've transitioned from college ball to the pro side right now, and you've got to keep your eye on both. So how have you managed to do that? Um, shout out to Synergy and Aaron Kassman, our ACC Network boss, who got me my first official login. Yep. Piggyback on none of my teammates that are now coaches. Um, Synergy, League Pass, uh, Twitter. I make, you know, we follow some really great people on Twitter, and there's plenty of things that get bookmarked for later on. But honestly, Cal, like, 
I kind of just lock in on whatever the task is at hand that day. The WNBA app is super dope, though, so I can just click on and check scores and stuff. But if I really want to see details, I got to carve out some time to go back and watch. But I mean, it's ball. You, and you know, like we love ball. So like it's been a, pl- a privilege, a pleasure. Um, I also am tired all the time, though. <laughs> <laughs> I you don't look that. tired. You don't That's look right. tired. You look fantastic. So we, we need to figure out how to get this this video going so people can see you're wearing the tiger shirt. You're hanging out with two tigers. We greatly appreciate that. But you brought up Twitter. And, uh, you know, I think it's a tremendous news outlet. Obviously, things happen so fast. Um, and, and Twitter just, it's live all the time. And it's such a great thing. You became the queen of NBA Twitter this last week because you were the only ESPN analyst to pick the Grizzlies to beat the Warriors. And I love the pick. As soon as I saw it, I said, she's, she's the only smart one up there. She's the only one that understands that Ja Morant is him. He is that dude. Uh, he thanked you on Twitter, kind of gave you a shout out there. What were you thinking? Because I geek out when, when superstars, you know, interact with me on Twitter. So I'm sure that you had a, a similar moment. Emac, it was crazy. Like, I was watching a game and I was texting my boyfriend. I'm like, dog, if, if I get this right, I'm going to be so obnoxious tomorrow. <laughs> and he's like, nah, act like you've been there. Like, it's lots of picks left. I'm like, okay, sure. You're right, I think. So, but when they actually won, like, I just hit a little quick video on my phone and was basically like, because I, to that point, I had only heard myself and Kendrick Perkins call the Grizzlies for the win. And I was like, I, I told y'all, like, and I just put it out. So mind you, you guys, it's almost midnight, whatever time it was when the game ended. I have sports into the next morning. So I'm like on my laptop banging away, like notes, this play, like this, that, and the other. Like we do all this work. Y'all know how I go for like three minutes of TV time. But anyway, <laughs> you know there. And so I'm starting to get texts on my phone. And MK, Kelly, one of our producers at ACC Network, mm-hmm. like, mine. And I'm like, what? <laughs> just like forwards the tweet. And I was like, oh. And so then I got on Twitter. I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, I didn't even know it was happening. It was super cool. And then I had to go back to my notes and put my phone down because that 6 a.m. call was coming soon. So it was. And I love the hat too. You you brought it out. You let everybody understand. Oh, the hat goes way back. (laughs) (laughs) The hat has been a part of our lives and our journey together for a while now. (laughs) (laughs) The Swami hat, as mom would call it. Okay, I'm I'm curious. Just after after that Grizzlies pick, after John Morant tweeted at you, how many new followers do you have? I was hovering. um, I had gotten like just over nine. Uh, when when that tweet happened, I think I was just shy of nine thousand. I'm at eleven two today. That's Come crazy. On. I figured it was there was a bump. No, it was like the, when I saw the K, like when I hit ten K, I was like, oh. But then like I guess people's algorithm is late, and so it kept going. I was like, oh. And <laughs> Williamson, another person we love, was like, because I did hoop stream. She's like, mom, Jai has a million Twitter followers. Like, what did you think? And I was like, well, he could have actually added me instead of just saying my name. <laughs> That's right. That's Next time. <laughs> he'll handle that next time well let's talk a little more about your journey we talked about this with kelsey a couple weeks ago as well and it's just always so interesting to me because some people i've seen a lot of people saying this like oh monica's blowing up i mean she's just blowing up and some people may think it's an overnight situation but you've been grinding it out in this business for a while so tell us a little more about how you got to where you are right now yeah i mean you're absolutely right i um, I'll turn 32 in October. So like, I love that I look young and youthful, but you're right. I've been in it for a minute. Um, I obviously played ball at Georgetown and right out of school, I graduated 2011. I started calling women's basketball games on the radio. I'm in for some digital properties. I went to grad school at the university of Maryland because I felt like 
I didn't want to be just an analyst. And so I needed to go get the skills and the tools that would allow me to show up with a video camera, a microphone if we're doing radio, or a notepad if we needed to put together a print story. And so I was really, really proud of that degree. And it was probably the best time I've had in a classroom because it was applicable skills to the path that I knew I wanted to pursue career-wise. Um, so I graduated from that in 2013 and I've been an MMJ in local markets. I've hosted for you know Sports Network. I've, I've done podcasts. I've hustled. Um, and so it's it's really cool to see it all paying off. But I think now, right before we teamed up at ACC Network, honestly, Kelly, like that 2017, 2018-ish, like I couldn't get a job for a stretch of like 18 months. Like, And I remember being like, okay, well, I'm going to go teach English and coach high school basketball and do this on the side because the Bills don't care about the dream. Like, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> um, and then the actual story is hilarious. You know, when you broke, you learn how to budget, y'all. It was like a Wednesday and I had just like had my notebook out, paid all my bills as best I could. Because at, at some point, you know, bill collectors calling you and I, it's not that I don't want to pay. It's just that I don't have it. And if you check my track record, I actually am really good about these things. Um, so I remember a number calling me and I was like, oh, man, here we go. Like, I just don't have the money. Hello. Um, this is Pat Lowry from ESPN. I'm like, oh, hey, I know who you are. How can I help you? Um, and she proceeded to ask me to come down to the SEC tournament where they were doing an ACC broadcast because Coach Landers had a last minute conflict. Um, and so we did that that weekend. And afterwards, she's like, you'll hear from me on ACC Network. And that's kind of how the momentum got back going. But yeah, man, like this is there's no such thing as overnight in this space. Mm. No that's question. That, that's 100%. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'd love to hear that. And it's fun to, it's fun when we have these guests and we're going to go on a string here of, of, you know, hosts of reporters of analysts, and it, it's fun to just hear everybody's story. So I would love Monica um, before we jump into individual games and players and, and looking at these playoff pictures for the NBA, just what, what would your advice be for a young person who wants to get into this business, who has this great dream that the three of us have been able to capture and are still honestly pursuing, what would your advice be to them? Give your dreams room to grow. Like, I think your dream is a living, breathing thing. Because there was one point, you guys, where I envisioned this and it was like, oh, I don't be a sports center host. Like, I, blah, like that, that was it, right? I didn't want to necessarily be an analyst. I didn't want to give my opinion. But now, you know, I'm in a role that I didn't necessarily see for myself that I kind of grew into. And then honestly, while my professional career is taken off, like there are things personally too, right? And so again, I'm giving my entire dream room to breathe and grow and to be um, because it evolves. But I think more, more than that, you just got to keep moving forward, right? So much of this, and you guys know, is surviving the war of attrition, right? Whether it's the dinky paychecks, whether it's the crazy hours, like you just have to survive because it is such a competitive field. And so you should be pr proud of every step you take forward, even if it doesn't look like one that you may have planned out for yourself, because slow motion is still motion. Like it's still forward motion. That's fantastic. And I, I love what you just said there about just continuing to grow, feed it, let it go to where it wants, because I feel like so often we put ourselves in these boxes and we say, okay, this is what I'm going to be. And by doing that, you might eliminate so many other opportunities that just pass you by because you're focused on this and, and what this is. And so I think that's a great testament and a great, great advice, to be honest. All right, let's jump into it. Let, let's talk about some of these individual teams, some of these matchups. You obviously cover the New York Knicks very closely for MSG and a tough loss uh, the other night. But I think a couple of really good things that we saw, number one, a crowd and the energy and the excitement and how great was that to have everybody back and we all know Julius Randle has been the star, and it's been really fun to see his 
growth and progression. I mean, you talk about a guy that people had written off, to be honest, and now he's in New York and they're, you know, are what they are. And then he's kind of reborn and he has just changed his game completely. But they also have Duke former star R.J. Barrett, and he has had a very solid year. Talk to us about what you like about his game. And then ultimately with the Knicks, can they do it? Can they win this series and, and move on in the playoff? I love RJ. Like even his rookie year, we did a piece just kind of chopping it up with all the players. And I asked him what his proverb would be, uh, like his word of advice that he would hold on to. And he, he said, you know, just uh, make sure you're giving it, giving it your all. Something to the effect, something to that effect. And I think that's what we've seen from him. Last year, it was no secret. Oh, he is, uh, leave him open at three, right? Like, we don't need to be concerned from that. I mean, he was shooting 32% from the three. This year, y'all, he's shooting 40% from three. Like, and in game one, the highlight dunk of the series, so of the playoff so far, in my mind, right? That breakaway, that monster power at the rim. He is someone who really just puts his head down and works. But just in having conversations with him, though, also, his eyes light up. Because if you, if you watch him on press conferences, he can have that kind of dead look in his face. But then when you're engaging him on something that he's excited about, like when he talks about his dogs, he has three French Bulldogs, guys. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, his face just <laughs> lights up. He has so much energy. Um, and I think that's what this team has needed this year. I think Tibbs has given all of those guys an identity and clear goals. And for RJ, obviously, the shooting was a big piece of it. We love his ability to get to the paint, finish through contact. He very rarely has bad back-to-back games. He's a guy that's really resilient and has the ability to bounce back. And so I think for him, he's very aware that he was the third pick in that class that was labeled as just Zion or or Ja. And so when you look at his roots in New York, in terms of his dad and his mom, I think he's very proud of this opportunity. And he's just here to show everybody that he can do it too. And, you know, he's a guy too, Mon, at Duke was a little bit of a volume shooter. He actually, I'm sure he led them in field goal attempts over Zion, but I think he's becoming more efficient, which you have to do, especially yeah. if you're if the Knicks want to do anything. Now, speaking of the Knicks, okay, you're, you're in New York, you're with MSG, you're covering, well, you're not in New York right now, you're everywhere. Sometimes you're there. Are they going to win this series? You, can you call that right now? Girl, Kel, <laughs> I really picked the Knicks in six, but I think... Trey obviously plays for the Hawks, but you have to tip his tip your cap to him if you love basketball for that final play in game one. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely a problem. And I think the Knicks are going to have to figure out how to defend him. I, I think the next play in game two, I'm curious to see if we see more double teams, traps, or even allowing him to take the three because his percentage from the three has not been tremendous this year. I think it's low 30s. Um, and clearly the floater is deadly when he gets to the paint. Mm-hmm. So when I look at this series, if the Knicks defense from the regular season can show up, I think they're in good shape. And obviously Julius can't lay an egg like that. But I also think that this Atlanta Hawks team is healthier than they were in the three regular season matchups for the Knicks. Um, so I, I'm i still holding on to Knicks and six on this one, but or, or it might go seven. I'm still holding on to the Knicks, but it is going to be a long series. Well, you called the Grizz, so I trust you. You know what? I- that put on me, y'all. Like, <laughs> no, for real. Like, you want to hit me on Twitter? Like, I'm always rolling with you. Like, you want me some money? That's right. <laughs> Listen, I, I honestly was shocked that I was the only person that took the grits. Yeah, like, me too. Yeah. Sarah Spain said it to me. I did her radio show that night, and I was like, "Oh, I'm the only one." Like, I just we talk about volume shooting. Steph is terrific, but I didn't I didn't see him going off of 46 again. And if right. you that game at the end of the regular season, 
the Grizzlies were right there. Like they were, they were within striking distance so many times. And then Dylan Brooks fouls out in the third quarter. And I think that changed the complexion of the game. But for that young, savvy, grit and grind type of group, y'all know when you lose a game, you felt like you were supposed to win. You don't want to do nothing but run it back. Right. And so that opportunity for them to come so quickly, I just felt like they were going to be ready. And that Steph supporting cast is uh, looking rough. We'll just put it that way. He yeah. needs clay back bad. Okay. <laughs> You're also in New York. I know you don't cover the Nets as closely as the Knicks, but you cover all of them for uh, ESPN. So this team, they're finally playing together with all these massive superstars. Are they the favorite for you? Not just in the East, but overall right now, especially with how the Lakers look. Yeah, uh, especially with the Lakers, how the Lakers look. Yes, I would say so. Now, I thought that the argument about continuity and there being one basketball was super lazy when it came to them. Yeah. Look, at this point in their careers, they have all played alongside superstars and two of them have won titles, right? I do think the asterisk for them this year is durability. What what have they played? Nine games together now? Right. Right. But within that, the only person that played a string of games consistently until his injury was James Harden. So can they handle the pace and the tempo of a series? I think they're going to be fine. I'm getting past Boston. But that next round, it could get tricky just in terms of their durability. But in terms of skill, and I know we keep saying they don't play no defense. If the score is 202 to 200 and they have 202, they still won. Like, That's a dub. Dub. <laughs> we, we talk ACC on this pod, and we could bring up Kyrie, but he played like seven games at Duke. So we'll move <laughs> on from that. Joe Harris. Joe Harris yeah. is a guy, he was in school when we were, Emac, and I remember him coming to Little John, and I'm like, God, this guy can score. Like, just fully impressed. He's the fourth leading scorer on the Nets. I don't think your average casual basketball fan realizes that. What does Joe Harris do for the Nets, Mon? Shoot the basketball really, really well consistently. You know what I mean? Like, you got that big three. And even as we think about it, they weren't all on the floor together through the course of the regular season. But if you call yourself going to shade the James Harden, you know he's about to assist. Joe Harris, cash. If you call yourself going to slow Kyrie, Boom, cash. Like, Joe Harris's ability to be consistent. I had a coach that used to say to me, there's always a spot on the floor for a shooter. And he's that for the New York Nets. Like, he just is consistent. And I think there was a point this season where I was really kind of following if this team was going to play any defense. Joe, Har- Joe Harris was a part of that unit. Landry Shamit, uh, Jeff Green, Bruce, bon- Bruce Brown has come along. But he was a part of that group that, to me, did give them a little bit of grit on the defensive end when they needed it most. Um, and so... He's not a liability, right? Like, you can trust him to give you his all on uh, both sides of the floor. Now, is he defensive player of the year kind of guy? No. But I think he uses his body well. He can rebound. Um, and you don't have to worry about him offensively. Let's look at the West again and, and specifically talk about my Los Angeles Lakers. Um, just to give you a little update, Mon. Max I, I a follow LeBron guy. LeBron James wherever he goes. So I've, I've had a couple of teams in, in my uh, recent history here. But, I, you know, looking at this season – and how, how close it was, the lack of rest, how old LeBron is getting. Obviously, he, he breaks every thought process that we have about ageism and, and this guy should slow down and he's only getting better. But I do think health is a concern. And I do think that, that he's worn down a little bit. And maybe he comes out and, and is great as he, as he always is. But what are you thinking from the Lakers right here? Can, can they make another run? Or is this just, okay, we're going to chop this up and get ready for you know, the next season? I do think there's another run in them, Emac. But I also think that perhaps some of the same conversations we were having about the Nets in terms of continuity, we needed to be having with a little bit more urgency about the Lakers. AD did not look spectacular in game one. 
LeBron obviously is nursing that injury. We hope that the shoulder thing doesn't turn to be anything more um, than maybe a little sore. Uh, and then you got Dennis Schroeder on that squad, to me, who is essential because he's the second best playmaker to LeBron. So I think there's a run. They're going to respond. But this idea that this Phoenix squad is going to roll over, I like that's the part that kind of baffles me. I did take the Lakers in this series, but I had it going at least six games. Um, and now that the Phoenix Suns have stolen home court advantage, it could go seven. We got to see what happens with Chris Paul in terms of the series overall. But I do think the Lakers obviously are starting to show um, some inconsistencies. And even if they make a run, the path that they've fallen into because of their seating, there will always be a road team. <laughs> right. right. So and I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> run into the Grizzlies? Like, the Grizzlies not scared. Like, right. Well, I mean, we'll see. They may not get past this Phoenix squad. I just, I think DeAndre Ayton showed us a lot in game one. And there is no, I'm a firm believer in that you can't disrespect the game. Right. So if somehow on the Lakers end, we got this, this was a warm up game. I don't know. I, you know, the Suns are already hot and ready to rock and roll. They're lathered up and good to go. So y'all might have done yourselves a disservice with that mentality. Yeah, no, no question. I think Devin Booker is obviously a big piece of that as well with Phoenix. And, and we've mentioned a couple of these young guys. When you look at Trey Young, when you look at Book, when you look at uh, John Morant and also Luka Doncic from the Maverick. I mean, you look at this next generation of dudes. I mean, they're here and, and they're dominating. So I think, can you just talk about that? What have you seen from these young guys, maybe in, in that class and maybe right under them before we go to the WNBA of really this next wave of superstars? They don't know what they're not supposed to be doing, you know? And I think that is so dope. Like they are all, Book obviously, Book and Donovan Mitchell are on the best two teams at that at in terms of records and the seedings and all that stuff in the playoffs. But Ja, like people don't think they would get past the Warriors. I mean, the Hawks, I have it going as a long series. It, it's going to be a really tough series. They could pull it off when you talk about Trey. Um, I just think that they understand the way that they play ball is the future of the league. And as much as we still give creed to the established superstars, Time is real. Energy is real. And in particular at the guard spot, when you look at these guys, like they're giving us moves and combinations that are really stumbling, stumping defenses. Um, so I just think that they they're here. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, what would qualify EMAC as us acknowledging them being here when the all-star team has more new names than old names? Right. And, and see, that's what I think people are. They just get so caught up in is, oh, he's snubbed. He's taken away. And I think it honestly is, is these guys are having such long careers to where Bron is in 18, you know, AD's doing his thing, still balling. All these guys are playing so much longer that it's almost like, okay, we have this next group that's ready that yeah. unfortunately they're not going to get to participate until these dudes move on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think I left out Jason Tatum, I mean, a fantastic. Yeah. I feel bad for him, but the Celtics, they just, they were just weird all year long. <laughs> they're a mess. <laughs> Part of the all-star thing, if you look at this year, like Devin Booker had to be a commissioner's ad because Chris Paul took his spot. Like, let's right, right. crazy. Um, which is a lot of legacy and respect, and that's super dope. But if we talking X's and O's, I, I don't know. I might actually put Chris Paul on that squad because I was arguing that he should be in. <laughs> <at one> point. <laughs> look, y'all, Phil Mickelson just won a golf tournament at 50. So that's I'm pretty right. sure LeBron's going to play until he's like 62 and Tom he's gonna Brady's going to play until he's 70. in with Bronny for sure. These I don't know what never team gonna he's going to be with, but he, it's going to get a couple in with him. Never going to retire. All right, Mon, let's go to the W. Let's talk a little WNBA. 
So you've been spending a lot of time in New York. You're a DMV girl. I'm not trying to paint you as a New Yorker or anything, but I think especially the casual basketball fan, they have heard about the New York Liberty and they've heard about Sabrina Unescu. And it's a lot more than Unescu. Uh, Laney, former Rutgers player, is just balling up there in New York. But when you go up to New York, do you feel that buzz about the Liberty? Um, so the Liberty switched management. So I, no, not really. <laughs> They're not <laughs> that side. Um, but I just think around the W in general, yeah. Like to see Sabrina Unescu in, an, in a State Farm commercial with Chris Paul, like that I That was it. awesome. That was awesome. Well, even beyond that, with UNESCO in New York, like, what do you feel like their ceiling is? I know they're off to a good start. The Connecticut Sun are off to a great start. Not a lot of teams have played these same amount of games, but what do you think their ceiling is? I think, so the Liberty and the Wings were the two teams that I was most curious about mm. coming in, just because they are so young. I was of the camp that, yes, Sabrina's excellent, but don't disrespect the W. There's a learning curve. Baby, she threw that learning curve, buckled in her seatbelt. What <laughs> handled the curve? Okay. I do think that they may run it early so far in the season in terms of what we've seen. I do think that they may run into some issues with some of the bigger teams with mobile bigs. Um, Rebecca Allen, Kylie Shook, like those guys are all great, but the W probably more so than the NBA is really heavy established by his veteran presences. Although they did get that win over Minnesota with Sylvia Faust, who actually had a really good game. But the other thing that's unique about the W season, though, this year, Kel, when we talk about seasons, is the Olympic break. Yeah. How, does that serve? Does it kill momentum? Does it add momentum? Do guys get? Do players get healthy? Like, what is that going to look like? But I, I could see where a world in which this New, New, York, New York Liberty team is certainly fighting for a playoff spot. I don't know if they actually get in it. They're going to be much improved from last year's, what, two-game win, two-win season? You mentioned the, the the Dallas Wings, and you talk about you were interested to see them. Obviously, they have a former... ACC superstar. So, Mon, looking at Arike, obviously continuing to be a bucket. And for those who forgot, to end her career in college as a national champion, she hit two buzzer beaters against number one UConn in the final four and then against Stanford to win the Natty. Just what do you think, I guess, her ceiling can be and then Dallas's overall? Arike certainly can be a Hall of Famer in my mind. Like, it's just a mad, like, I don't know what the Olympic roster looks like this year just yet. I don't think that she made the cut, but she'll be an Olympian. Like, she'll get her shot. Like she's another one that's kind of waiting out some of these vets. And there's a whole section of WNBA Twitter that is like, y'all not ready to talk about how many of these vets should be cut by now. But anyway, mm. shout out to our dear friend, Elena Beard, who was said she was keenly aware of that when she responded in terms of taking up a spot that she no longer felt fit for. Anyway, okay, to the question on Enrique and the Wings. To me, they remind me of the Memphis Grizzlies, right? Like this young team, tons of swag, tons of attitude. They want to get up and down the floor. Charlie Collier is off to a strong start as a rookie. Um, I love Arike. I love Izzy. And Vicky Johnson, former player, had coaching stints elsewhere, and is back. And so as a coach, she's also got something to prove. So I like the weapons that this team has. As we get deeper into the season, you do want to see about their decision-making do they get stagnant and kind of watch Arike as opposed to creating enough action um, in their half-court sets? And how well will they be able to defend through the course of the season? It's going to be interesting to watch. And Arike is so fun to watch. Good grief. She's just, I could watch her play ball all day. All right, Mon, we're going to put you on the spot here. Here's our last question for you because you're Monica McNutt. You're busy. You got places to be. <laughs> okay, the first one, you got to call your shot now. And you may have already called this on the 17 shows you're on. So if you have... We would like you to break it here on Graham Lincoln McLean and you can give us your opinion. Who is going to win the NBA finals? You got to call it on May 24th. 
So Kendrick Perkins is doing this thing now where he says TBD. Can I? <laughs> uh, wrong. You can't say that. I'm totally going to use that. Listen, I will be honest. I thought the Lakers would get it together. And I don't want to overreact to this loss to the Suns. But it is causing me to examine their health, their continuity, and their depth a little bit closer. Because the, upon, the path they have to take is against, is on the road. Like, and that's a, a tall task. So today, May 24th, hmm, mm, 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 today, May 24th, the Memphis Grizzlies? Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you are going all in, all in. <laughs> a, little, a little premature, a little premature, but they, I think they're playing the best playoff ball. Wow. Uh, I love that. God, today, man, the Portland looked good against the Nuggets the other day. God, today, there's, I really don't think there's a favorite out West right now, you guys. I'm going to go, all things considered. I'm actually going to go to win it all. Oh my God, this is so hard. This is a great basketball season. Brooklyn, is it Brooklyn? Like, is it Brooklyn or is it someone else? So I'm trying to figure out who's coming out the West. Phoenix? Yeah, like legit. Um, See, the CP3 thing is a a deal too. Yeah, Um, that could be interesting. Here's what I'm going to do. Because I don't know about the West and I'm more confident in the East. Yes, I'm going to go Brooklyn on May 20th. I think that's fair. Well, like, I, I totally like understand. Pick. I think it's a great pick. Now, Team I don't know West. how much jaw Definitely. is Venmoing you or whatever, but um, <laughs> <laughs> let me know. Okay. And then on the W, on the W side, it's way, 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 way uh, too early. Chicago. Way too early. Chicago for me. Didn't even Chicago. hesitate. Zero hesitation. Like, they have been this close. Three, at least two years, if not that third year in my, in my memory. At least two years, they've been right... And then you give me Candace Parker. Mm-hmm. Like they looked fantastic in their opening game. Now, again, Candace is going to be on the Olympic team. I can't think of anybody else on that roster off the top. That's going to be running with the Olympic team. Low key. Sloot should be. Sloot is such a baller. He's so good. But that's what I'm saying. Like you add Candace Parker, you got Courtney Vandersloot. Quigs don't miss. Like Diamond Shields is healthy. Kalia Copper is super gritty. And then um, James Wade is an excellent coach. Like, I just think that's a unit. You don't add Ken Parker just to be like, oh, we, we brought her home. Like, right. huh. No, I agree. Going for rings, baby. I love Come that on. team. That seems fun. My favorite. Like, my, and I, I, I think Vegas sometimes gives me a little Jekyll and Hyde action. I think we're probably not talking enough about the Connecticut Sun. You know, they were the team that the Mystics beat to win their title, which is what mm-hmm. seasons removed. John Cole Jones is a beast. Also, shout out to the Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia product um, out of Riverdale Baptist High School. But I just think it's Chicago for me, man. Awesome. Mon, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Get back to uh, your regular programming. Thanks for hanging out. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me, guys. Shout out to my dear friend, a close personal friend, if you will, Eric McLean. Monica McNutt for joining us. I'm telling y'all, her schedule is crazy. She had just finished taping around the horn, got home and had time to record with us. I don't think we've ever had someone go from around the horn to us. So we are honored. And I really appreciated Mac, her advice for people trying to get into the business because so many people have told me recently, you know, oh man, Monica's blowing up. And I knew the background. I knew her story. And that's what people don't see is the years that you've grinded and made nothing and had no national exposure and all this stuff to get to where you are. So I thought that was excellent stuff from Monica.
There's no question. I, I really do enjoy just hearing everybody's story and, and just figuring out, okay, how, where did you start? How did you get here? And it, it's, it's, it's really entertaining. It's really fun, especially people, again, like Monica, who are just all over the place right now. And for people who are new to knowing who she is, they think, it's okay, it just happened. That's not the case. She, she absolutely has grinded and deserves each and every opportunity uh, that she gets. So really a gracious and appreciative of her time. But Kelly, it is now our time to get on to this or that. If you guys missed it last week, moving forward, we're going to be doing a fun little discussion of a couple of topics here and there where basically Kelly and I have to decide slash debate, what would you take? Would it be this one? Would it be that one? So we're going to start in the ACC at the running back position, Kelly. I want to know who you think is going to have more rushing yards, not lead the ACC, just more than the other rushing yards in the ACC next season, Zonovan Knight from NC State or Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech? This is a great question, Mac. Whoever wrote this question really <laughs> knew what they were talking about. I'll now, tell them. I know them. I'll tell them. I like how you put the caveat, not lead the ACC. I think the question of who's going to lead the ACC in rushing yards next year is a very difficult one to predict. It could really be anyone. But these two are two very good candidates. And for me, as much as I love Jameer Gibbs, I think he's an excellent weapon for Georgia Tech. The issue is Jeff Sims is also super proficient and prolific on the ground running the ball. So I think you're going to have to split up those rushing yards between those two guys. And I, I think Gibbs could get around that 700, 800 mark, which would be a very solid year. But I'm going to go Zonovan Knight, mainly because I think he's going to be the main part of their rushing attack next year with Devin Leary back, a guy who showed real promise at the quarterback position before his injury last year. So I think Zonovan Knight is the guy. Um, I like what NC State's bringing back. I think they're bringing back some veteran pieces offensively. And I think Zonovan Knight will have more rushing yards next year than Jameer Gibbs. But Jameer Gibbs is also a dual threat kind of guy, too. He could also pick up some receiving yards as well. What say you, Eric McLean? Yeah, well, I think that's a great pick and, and really good reasoning as to why. You know, Zonovan is going to be in a, a nice backfield. I mean, you look at Ricky Persons that's going to be back there. If he's back fully healthy, that could be a very nice one-two punch for NC State. But the biggest reason that I, I'm with you, I'm on the same team, mm -hmm. that I think Zonovan Knight is going to have more rushing yards, so I'm going with the this instead of the that, than Jameer Gibbs is simply because of the offensive line. You know, I think that NC State's offensive line is going to be really nasty next year. I, th I think they have some really nice pieces coming back. I think that they're just going to have more of that continuity. With Georgia Tech, it's still a developmental piece. So I still think the the offensive line is going to be a weakness for Georgia Tech next year. So it's going to be growing pains. It's going to be continuing to you know learn how to block zone schemes, learn how to pass block, learn how to do all these different things that – Unfortunately, I think Jameer Gibbs is going to uh, he's going to suffer a little bit because of that. And, you know, again, like you said, 800 yards, 900 yards. I think that's very attainable. But I think Zonovan's going to be pushing over a thousand. Mac, I'm shocked you brought up the O-line, but I'm glad you did because that's a huge part of this. <laughs> I'm sure you are shocked. I'm sure that's a huge are. part of this. And just the fact that I think NC State is an eight or nine win team. And I think Georgia Tech is if they if they really put it together, they can make a ball. So Donovan Knight will probably have more help around and more opportunities to rack up those yards. No question. No question. All right, Mac, let's talk about uh, the other really important skill position offensively. We talked about quarterback last week. If you missed that, you can go back and listen to episode 72. Here is a question about wide receivers. Which of these two ACC wide receivers 
will have more receiving yards in the ACC next season? Not necessarily lead the league, but which of these two will finish with the most receiving yards? Is it, I got to give you answers here, otherwise you're just going to name something. (laughs) In the this or that question, is it Zay Flowers from BC or Justin Ross from Clemson? This one is really tough. And I think when you look at it, you've got one guy in Zay Flowers who is going to be the marquee guy in the offense who we know has explosive capabilities, is going to be used a ton of different ways, whether it's a little flip pass, kind of like a jet sweep, or just busting it down the seam, you know, trying to scream through two safeties to be wide open. Justin Ross is coming back from injury where he's not even fully cleared yet. Uh, but if you remember his freshman year, what uh, was like the third overall in terms of yards as as receiver in the ACC and, and has unbelievable ability and, and all these other things. I think because Justin is, is going to not be on a, a revenge tour, but more of a put some respect on my name tour. I think he's going to be the guy. I think he, I give mm. him the nod at six foot four, uh, lightning speed, just really a, a dynamic piece. I think I'm going with Justin, and I'm going to be even bold here and say like 1,100 yards. I think that he's going to be a guy that can just totally do it all, the entire route tree, not just go straight. I think he's really going to be out to prove, okay, I'm going to be the first wide receiver taken in this next upcoming draft. I'm glad that we're going to disagree here because we agreed on Zonovan Knight. Now, look, Justin Ross is the Alabama killer. Like this guy in the playoff in 2018 (laughs) – was exceptional against Notre Dame and Alabama. Made some catches that just blew your mind. Unbelievable. He, You could argue that he is a big reason why Trevor Lawrence blew up after that playoff. And not that Trevor wasn't throwing some great balls, but Justin Ross was exceptional. He's coming back from injury. I think you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like. And then Clemson has a bunch of other weapons receiving-wise. So EJ Williams is going to get time. You've got Joe Ngata, Frank Ladson, all these guys – There's one football. I think you're going to have to share it a little bit. Now, look, Justin Ross is still, in my mind, as long as he's healthy, going to have a great year. Probably a 1,000-yard season. I I would almost guarantee that. But for me, it's Zay Flowers for two reasons. A, Zay Flowers is that dude, okay? He made some plays last year that were just flat-out exceptional. He had 892 receiving yards last year on just 56 catches in 11 games. That's an 1,000-yard season waiting to happen this year. And here's the other thing with BC. They ain't going to run it, Mac. (laughs) They don't want to run the ball. Now, maybe they change their ways a little bit. Maybe they go a little bit back to what they used to do. But that's one reason why um, one of my other co-hosts, Quok from the radio, his argument was that Phil Dracovic was going to lead the ACC in passing yards because neither. I don't believe in BC's running game. I don't think you do either, Mac. And I still think they're going to be pretty good. They're going to have to pass it. So I think just because Zay Flowers is probably going to have more catches than Justin Ross, because he's going to have to catch the ball multiple times a game for anything good to happen for BC, I'm going to go with Zay Flowers. Yeah, which I totally agree with. And it's actually mind-boggling for us to sit here and say that Boston College is not going to run the football. I mean, in our rookie season, that's all they do. They couldn't throw it. They physically could not throw the ball. And then in a year, they turn into this air raid pro-style offense that just throws it 50 times a game. So I I agree with all of those points and and really think that it's going to be a fun year. You you look at both of those positions we just mentioned and a week ago, the quarterback position, the ACC is absolutely loaded with skill. This is going to be such a fun 
ACC season. I can't wait till we get closer to the season. We'll break down, you know, kind of my position groups, you know, top five and different p- people for each and every position. Can't and, wait. and it's going to be a lot of fun because, Kelly, it's loaded. Oh, man. I, I wish football season was here tomorrow. That's how <laughs> I always feel this time of year. Mac, before we uh, get out of here and end the podcast, Tell the people where they can vote, because we're going to let some of the listeners, really any listener, even if you're not a listener, you can vote on our this or that polls. So that's right. Inform the folks, Mac. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put these on social media, on Instagram. It'll be on my story. It'll be in Kelly's story where, again, you're going to see the, the this or that. And we want to know who you think. If you don't agree with any of our or either of our two kind of uh, submissions there, you can comment or DM and we'd love to hear who you think and why. And then also on Twitter, we'll put up kind of a poll uh, and same thing there. So it's really interactive. We had awesome participation from a week ago on on both Instagram and Twitter. So it's a lot of fun. It's fun to hear from you guys and, and love to hear the arguments that these polls bring up. Because again, last week we had Clemson and North Carolina just going at it and, and each other telling them how dumb they are, how crazy they are. But again, all good fun in, in this great ACC uh, season that's coming up. Kelly, before we get out, though, I've got another secret question for you. I'm going to keep throwing in these third questions secret question. that Kelly has no clue what they are, guys. I mean, last week I asked her, how would you want to get clobbered? What, did you want to see it? Did you not want to see it? And this week it's a little bit more... Uh, brains involved. So you're going to have to really think on this one of what you would do. Oh, no. So this is to win the game, win a football game. You're on the goal line. Are you throwing the goal line fade to Nuke Hopkins, to to Sage Surratt, to Scotty Washington, or are you going to run it in for a touchdown? What, which one are you going to do, this or that? So this is pretty easy for me. I'm assuming that I have comparable players at wide receiver and running back, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. So, it, you know, it's 50-50, whichever, whichever way you and go. And I have a decent O-line. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I hate the goal line fade. Oh, I think no. it is a ridiculous, do ridiculous you really? play. Why? Yes. Tell me why. You have so – okay. So I think it's a, it's a very risky situation and you put a lot of pressure on your wide receiver. And if you're going against a great corner, I think you put yourself in a rough spot. I also think it's ridiculous that you're trying to get into the end zone and you have all this room and you're basically boiling it down to that little corner of the end zone. I think that's stupid. I would totally run the ball. I am such a fan of running the ball in the red zone. The goal line fade is not for me. Now, if you want to, if you want to set up some play action and you hit the tight end over the middle or you're using some of that screen game or whatever, and you've tried to run the ball and it hasn't worked, okay. But if I'm going goal line fade early, early in my possession, I hate that, Matt. <laughs> so I am running the football. Call me old-fashioned, whatever you want. Run the football. Use the area that you have. Don't boil it down to one tiny little spot at the back of the end zone. Guys, let me just tell you something. Let me let you in on a secret. When I was writing this question, I did not know the amount of passion that I would be <laughs> releasing into the podcast realm but I by Kelly Graham's stance on this. And, and that's awesome to hear you say that. But I, as a lineman, you would think, I want to run it. I yeah, want to be behind what? us. I want to throw the goal line. No. It's stealing. If you have a quarterback and receiver that can do it effectively, it's stealing. And, and especially, Kelly, if you're going to go one-on-one with no help over the top from your safety, I am checking to that every single time okay. because it's unstoppable when you can do it. And again, I was blessed with some crazy quarterback play with a guy by the name of Deshaun Watson, by the name of Taj Boyd, even Cole Stout. Love you, Cole. Could throw the goal line fade unbelievably well. 
And we did it all the time. And we were stealing and plays. And Nuke and yeah, Martavis right, Bryant. Right. These, these unbelievable wide receivers, Mike Williams, that could just go up and get it. So maybe that's why, but I'm a proponent of, I want to take one step and look to the corner and see my guy coming down with the alley-oop dunk right on this cornerback's head. So it's funny to to hear that we have those, but you know, I'm going with the goal line fade all day. See, that's mind-blowing to me. As a lineman, you're okay with that. You're okay with that ridiculous call <laughs> to use two inches of the end zone to try to score. you got to be good. You've got to be killer. You've got to be accurate. And speaking of being good and accurate, oh, there our it is. producer, Richmond there Weaver, it is. does an unbelievable job with this podcast. He's going to have to work extremely hard for this episode. You know, we, what we might do, guys, is just have kind of a blooper reel that maybe we put on social media just to, you know, see how embarrassing and what Rich has to work with. He does absolute magic. Go check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports, anywhere you get your podcast. It's a great listen with great guests. You really, really will enjoy it. But Kelly, that's it for another great episode of Gramlick and McLean. Always appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you haven't already, go to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, and give us a rating. We're trying to get to that 100 number. It would mean a lot to us if you could help us get there. We would greatly appreciate it. But until next time, we'll see y'all.